Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome to the Psychology Podcast, where we give you insights into the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. I'm Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, and in each episode, I have a conversation with a guest who will stimulate your mind and give you a greater understanding of yourself, others, and the world we live in. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into human possibility. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Today, it's really great to have Doug Conant on the podcast. Conant is the CEO and founder of Conant Leadership, a mission-driven community of leaders and learners who are championing leadership that works. He served as the CEO of Campbell Soup for 10 years and is also the former president of Nabisco and former chairman of Avon. He's a New York Times bestselling author, and his new book is called The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. Doug, so great to chat with you today. Oh, I'm so glad we could work it out. I'm so glad out. we could work it out, too. Uh, that's a reference to our listeners. We're having some difficulty getting the Skype chat to work, so <laughs> we went we went through all sorts of different measures, and here we are. Well, this is actually kind of relevant because your own your own journey has has not been such a straight path to where you are today, right? It's kind of like uh, Skype problems early in life, so to speak. Yeah, well, I think I think we all have, and then we see people who have kind of worked their way through those, and we just assume it's always been that easy. In my case, it was quite the opposite. I can remember my first performance review. Uh, in my company when I started right out of uh, business school, an entry-level job at General Mills. Five months in, I had a performance review, and my boss said I was doing a satisfactory job. But my boss's boss 
just had a review of the uh, assessment and then wrote one sentence. And, and in that sentence, he said, you should be looking for another job. And that was my first performance review. And uh, it was a real wake-up call. I, uh, I slogged through that. And I was with the same company for nine years, General Mills. And then one day, went into work at one of the subsidiaries. And they sent me to uh, the receptionist said, could you go up and see the senior vice president of marketing? At the time, I was the director of marketing. And uh, senior vice president said, Doug, your job's been eliminated. You need to be out of here by noon. And all of a sudden, you know, in, in a snap, uh, my life had changed. I went home to my wife, my two small children, and my one very large mortgage, feeling every bit the victim, devastated, bitter. And uh, what a wake-up call. And so that, that's sort of, those are just a few of the stories uh, that of uh, choppy seas that I encountered. And, you know, we all encounter those choppy seas. And uh, it's about how we navigate through them that, that sort of ultimately determines our legacy of contribution. Oh, I completely agree. And it's great that you can kind of see that from a personal perspective as well as a theoretical perspective. Now, you argue that to unlock our potential in life, we often – it's required to turn inward. What do you mean by inward? Well, I really believe that, you know – your life story is your leadership story. And I don't think most of us adequately reflect upon our life story and all that we've learned from it. When I was fired from my company, they sent me to an outplacement counselor named Neil McKenna. The first thing Neil did was had me handwrite my life story and my family story. And as I went through that exercise, I was overwhelmed by things that I had not contemplated since I'd experienced them as a child and even a young adult. I was 32 at the time. And as I captured everything I could think of with my life story and my family story, I came to understand in a more deep and resonant way how I thought about my life and what I hoped to do with my life. And quite frankly, had I not gone through this crucible moment and been challenged to really reflect on my life story, I personally think I would have missed the boat. And uh, so what we do with, with our work is we encourage people to, to look within so that they can build a stronger foundation that's going to allow them to deal with the winds that are going to sweep across the landscape, even with greater force going forward. You know, Brene Brown has a great quote, and I won't give it justice here. And Brene, as you know, has written extensively on vulnerability and daring daring greatly. And uh, she has a great quote that says, you can either stand within your own story or you can stand outside your your own story and, and sort of, oh, I'm going to drop the ball on this, and uh, chase your, uh, you know, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna let it go. I can't. I'm gonna. I think the sentiment's it. there. Her yeah. Point the sentiment's is there. Her point is that you you really need to get inside your own story before you can start influencing others with their story. And I I found that quote really spoke to me. And so as I've gotten into all this work, I find that all of us have the seeds of contribution already in us, and it's just a question of how do we tap into that. 
I don't know that we're all made to be CEOs, but we're all made to be doing more and contributing more than we are contributing. And so this whole book is written with an eye on helping people find their own seeds of greatness within them and start to nourish them and bring them to life. Yeah, I really like that. And you talk a lot about, you know, this idea of bringing your whole self to the table is something that you don't hear that often or frequently in the leadership field. And, you know, we have all these different identities, different sides of ourselves. And you do make the case that we should merge our work self with our other selves, what you call real self, into one cohesive identity. I'd love to get some of your thoughts on, on how people can merge those and and also, I, I'm personally a bit skeptical there's any such thing as a real self. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you even define the real self. I don't know that there is an ultimate real self. I think, you know, it's a spectrum. And I, I would say we only show a part of ourselves in our work. That's, your na- that's one's nature, not your nature. One's nature was my nature. Was I thought, there, here's how I'm expected to show up at work. Okay, and I'm not going to cross that imaginary line, wherever it is. And uh, what I've discovered in the fullness of time is that, in fact, is an imaginary line, and I'm imagining it, and that I can bring more of myself in more in a more complete way to contributing uh, in my workplace uh, than I am. And so what we try and do is help people show up more fully I don't know that you ever get to the ultimate real self. I, you know, that you'd have to, you're going to have to bring Freud in to complete that conversation. And maybe you can do that, but I can't. But I, I do know that the leaders that I've been exposed to now over 40 years, the best leaders were more fully integrated than, than not. And so they were showing more of themselves at work. And, uh, and in collaboration with other people than some of the other leaders I experienced, many of the other leaders I experienced, who were very narrow and very controlled in how they presented themselves. So we just encourage people, the more comfortable you can get in bringing more of your true identity, however you define it, into, into your work life, the more fulfilling it will be. You know, all of my work in this leadership space, with both when I was working, which was for 40 years, but in study, which has been for 30 years, I have come to believe that we, we have the potential to uh, connect better with people uh, if we reveal more of ourselves to them. And it tends to inspire better collaboration and more trust. Ultimately, I think there are three things leaders hunger for today, and this is just my observation from teaching and from coaching and from uh, life. You know, they hunger to be more effective at meeting the needs and wants of an enterprise. They also tend to want to show up in a way that speaks to them, which feels more, the word today is authentic. And they hunger for a fulfilling journey. Uh, and they're beginning to feel like that's a pipe dream. And so what we try and do is help them be more effective, do it in a way that feels more authentic than the way they have been doing it, and do it in a way that in the fullness of time promises to be more fulfilling. 
we don't ever get all the way to bright. That would be a fool's errand trying to. In fact, we, we very carefully say forget perfection. What we're hoping to do with the blueprint is to promote an enlightened iteration. As you reflect on these things and you learn from your experiences and you, and you continue to learn and grow. Uh, so I don't think there's a real self, but I think there's a more real self than the self you have today. The other thing I try and do with it is to do it in real time. As you and I both know, most of the leadership work that's done, you read the book and then how am I going to act on this and how am I going to bring this to life in the middle of my cockamamie life, in which I have no time to do anything. Everybody I work with is swamped. You know, they get up, they check their emails in the morning. They feed their kids breakfast, they get them off to school, they go to work all day, they come home, they have maybe a quick dinner, and if they have kids still at home, they maybe spend an hour together, then the kids go off and do their work, the, uh, and the adults go back and do their emails or watch a basketball game and go to bed and do it all over again. Who has time to lift their leadership profile to new heights? Who are you kidding? And so what we've done with this, and this is because I've lived it as a practitioner for 40 years, we've endeavored to do this so that to create a model that you can approach, which is elegantly simple, and you can pursue this. It, it nests, it's designed to nest perfectly in your cockamamie life the way it is right now. So we've, we've tried to be very realistic with it and to the point of where it could be argued that it's too simple, but life is so complex if you introduce more complexity into this equation, it goes nowhere. <laughs> so we've, uh, we've opted to keep it simple. We have six what we call practical steps, very intentionally, to lift your leadership to new heights in a way that nests perfectly in the cockamamie life that we all live today. And uh, that's a tall order, but we've now, I've now been doing this for in earnest for about 15 years, and we found our way to a better place. I'm excited to see where it goes because it'll be even better 15 years from now. Joe, so can we go through the six? Is that okay? Can we? Uh, yeah, I, I can do a quick give me tour. A quick tour it. Yeah, yeah. We it is it, it's it again. It's intentionally very straightforward. And the notion is the concept of the blueprint is drawn from architecture, where an architect creates a blueprint of a, of a building and, and intentionally builds a very strong foundation so that building can withstand the, the forces of Mother Nature. Our blueprint is a blueprint for leaders who want to have a magnificent career of contribution, and we help them, we're helping them build a very strong foundation for that career to build upon. And so we have six steps in the process. The first one is to... Uh, in, uh, we call it envision, and that's all about uh, trying to create uh, a deeper understanding about your your what is your, your boldest dream of leadership success. What is your purpose? Why are you choosing to do this? We have a, some quick exercises to get you started on the journey. That's the first step. The next two steps are reflect and study. You've identified your purpose. Now, what? life experiences have influenced my leadership beliefs. We're starting to dive deep into leadership now. And what have you learned uh, from your own personal life experiences? All of us have been affected by people who have had a profound influence on our life. And we're asking people to reflect on that and draw conclusions from it. 
after you've sort of harvested the learnings from the reflection phase, which again, it's an hour to of work and you're done, we move to step three, which is, okay, I understand sort of my life experiences. Now I'm going to lift my head up and look at the world around me. And what leadership lessons beyond my own experiences can I learn from the world around me? And we challenge people to look at places of interest that intrigue them and to begin to draw conclusions from that. So, and then we move into step four. Steps two and three help you codify your core beliefs about leadership. What have I learned from my personal experience and from my study? And typically people have uh, five to ten core beliefs around leadership. So they've defined their purpose in the envision phase. They get their core beliefs from reflect and study. And then the next step is I'm going to build a plan. You know, it's amazing to me, all of us, uh, in academia, nonprofits, for-profits, federal government, we have plans for everything. Uh, you can't run a, an enterprise without a plan, right? Well, we run our leadership development by the seat of our pants. And my observation is we need to do better. And so we have you craft a leadership plan, and the centerpiece of this plan is actually developing your own personal leadership model. Now, I'm sitting in my office here in Philadelphia with hundreds of books. You've been here. And, uh, and there are hundreds of leadership models. Here's how you ought to do it. Here's how you ought to do it. How about this way? And uh, yet, interestingly for me, none of them speak to me. And I say, why is that? Well, that's because they're not informed by who I am, where I come from, and what I aspire to do. So we have people draw conclusions from their core beliefs and design their own leadership models, their own personal leadership model. This is how I want to walk in the world based on my purpose, my core beliefs about leadership. We give them prompts and help them work through this. They design their own leadership model, usually with five to eight elements. And uh, interestingly, we've done hundreds of these. No two of them are the same because all people are unique. They all have different needs, wants, and aspirations. And this is the way they're viewing leadership. So they develop their own leadership model. And then we say the fifth step is, okay, how are you going to bring that leadership model to life on Monday? And we have them identify signature practices that they can use to bring that model to life, those elements of the model to life that will start to impact the world around them in the way that they actually want to impact the world around them. The sixth step is building a continuous improvement framework, which includes basically, at this point, I've done this model a zillion times. I can go through in 10 minutes and say, okay, how am I doing? Is my purpose still right? Have I envisioned this right? Yeah, okay. Is there anything more to get from the reflect step that I missed? No. Uh, is there something more to study? Yeah, I want to I, I wanna study Stuart Freeman, Friedman's work uh, at Wharton on leading a more purposeful life. So I'm going to go do that. And then how does that influence my model? Do I want to tweak my model? Is it working? And then what other practices can I use to bring that model to life? And you iterate through it constantly, making it better and better and better in, in a flywheel sense of way. One other thing, 
you will, and in this process, you develop your own model. But that in and of itself is not necessarily sufficient because you're going back into the real world where wherever you work, they have their own leadership expectations of you. So what we help you do is design a reentry plan that helps you bring your model to life within the expectations of the enterprise you're returning to. Because the real world is not necessarily enamored with your model, but they don't need to be. This is what works for you. And so we help you harmonize your approach so that it can actually be effective in the real world. We go through these prompts. Takes There's about 9 to 12 hours worth of work in this in total. And, uh, and then you can start bringing it to life. And within a week, you can start acting on your learnings. And, uh, it, and then you can do it in the middle of your cockamamie life. So... That's the model, and that's the blueprint process. That's in great. A you're, the first, you're the first guest in the psychology podcast to use the word cockamamie. <laughs> so I like, I like it. So, gosh, there's there's so many places to go from there. There's one thing I, I did want to talk about. I thought was really interesting in your book was this declaring yourself practice. How can people declare themselves more? You know, to build productive relationships. Oh yeah. Very important. Uh, This is all my opinion, Scott. This is all my opinion. I have found, this is not rocket, I'm an introvert. It may sound like I'm not, but I am, trust me. (laughs) I've been tested five times, and every time I've become an introvert. Uh, Myers-Briggs, you know, all of us introverts, just one time I want to test and be an extrovert. I really want that, but it's just not going to (laughs) happen. But us introverts. Why do you want to be an extrovert? Well, I just want to know what it's like, you know? I, you know, they seem to be the life of the party, and they enjoy being with all these people, and I find it exhausting. <laughs> but at any rate, us introverts, you know, we, we don't na- naturally express ourselves well, maybe as well as we could, and the world isn't built to hear us. So I've come up with this understanding that people in this world are not mind readers. And unless I tell them where I'm coming from, they will not know. And we've all had these experiences of working with people, and especially for people, who we don't quite know where they're coming from and what is he really asking me to do? What does she want? How am I, what am I missing here? And I have found there's a better way, uh, both with the people I, that work for me and the people I work with and the people I work for. In the first hour, the first day, I just tell them. I call it declaring myself. I tell them what I'm trying to do, where I'm coming from, what I believe, and uh, and then I invite them to share with me their perspective. Now you know everything there is to know about me. If I do what I say I'm going to do, I guess you can trust me. If I don't, I guess you can't, and and you'll know that too. But um, since I've declared myself, I'm. I'm, I'm telling you, I intend to honor my commitments to you. And uh, then I invite them to share with me what they feel comfortable sharing. And our relationship just gets going at a much faster and deeper and more meaningful rate right off the bat. And I do share with them things that, you know, my private self would not normally have shared at work of my beliefs, my fam- my commitment to family and my faith and uh, my colleagues and how I think about things and my values. I, I share with them my favorite quotes, my uh, as well as all my some of my business philosophy. Uh, 
and so they they have a pretty full picture of me in a half hour to 45 minutes. I also do the same thing with organizations I'm associated with. With anybody who's willing to listen, I tell them where I'm coming from. I invite them to tell me where they're coming from. And I find that kind of transparency is incredibly liberating and stimulating. And as long as you don't do it in a heavy-handed, pontificating way, uh, it, it can, it can uh, it catapult the relationship to a place it wouldn't normally get to in, in, in short order. So that's, that's what I believe. I believe that people aren't mind readers. If you want them to know where you're coming from, you know, there's no substitute for telling them and, uh, and also for being open to hearing where they're coming from and then trying to find the win-win in the relationship. I love that. Do you ever, can you ever run a risk though of alienating relationships if you're too honest or you bring too much of yourself? Aren't there some sides of yourself you shouldn't bring <laughs> to the table? Well, I, I, I guess so. Uh, I think, you know, you, we all have to monitor ourselves. What I have found is the more I lean in and the more transparent I become, uh, the I haven't crossed the line yet. I may have gotten close at times, but there were things I might have been worried about 10 years ago that I'm just not worried about anymore. And it and the reason is because they were fine. So, you know, I encourage most people to be as candid as they can be comfortable because it's probably not enough. You can probably go farther. Uh, I think we all sort of self-regulate, but more candor is better than less. You know, all of our work environments sort of require a degree of candor these days. We talk, you know, Jim Collins talks about confront the brutal facts. Uh, all kinds of leadership gurus talk about having candid conversations. And uh, I think candor is is important. I think it has to be genuine, and I have, think you have to create a foundation for it by doing something like what I call declaring yourself. Cool. And related to that, you, you have this quote, you say, your life story is your leadership story. Can you unpack that a bit? Yeah. Look, all of us who have now, I've spent a lot of time actually practicing leadership 40 years, but also studying it for almost the entire 40. You know, we can make this incredibly complicated. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't need to be. When I talk to people, I say, think about someone in your life who has had a profound influence on you, you know, and everybody, we close our eyes and we think about that person. And then anybody in an audience will think about a person, and then I'll have them turn, them turn to the next person next to them and describe that person. Typically, it's a grandparent, a mother, an aunt, a coach, a teacher maybe, very rarely a boss. And they describe that person. And that person, it turns out, has had a profound impact on their, them in their life in some way. And they carry the message that that person was conveying to them with them to this day, and it influences them. And uh, invariably, when we get into this conversation, we observe two things. One that was that this person had very high standards. They were tough-minded on standards. At the same time, they cared deeply about the people that they were dealing with, and they were tender-hearted with people. And 
that leads me to a conversation that I think the best leaders are tough-minded on standards and tender-hearted with people. And then we get to a point where I say, you know, we can make leadership complicated, but all I'm really asking you to do is be more like the people who have had a profound influence on you, who said just the right thing in just the right way at just the right time and had a profound impact on you. I'm inviting you to be more like them with the people with whom you live and work. You have experienced brilliant leadership, albeit episodically, but you've experienced it. And if nothing else, I encourage you to be more like them with the people with whom you live and work. And I think you get to that point when you, ex- when you carefully examine your life story. And we have them go through an exercise where we call it their, their uh, entourage of excellence. They think about the people who have I had a profound that, influence that on phrase. them. They capture that, those yeah. thoughts. And, and that's what examining your, your life story is all about, because I believe it is your leadership story. You are all those people incarnate when you show up. I mean, I'll tell you, I talk to leaders all the time. I'm in the world class, you know, best leaders in the world. They invariably have a story, and it's, it's never about a coach like me or a, a CEO or a, or a professor even. I have one about Ram Charan, who was my professor, but it, he's, he's an exception. But they all have a story about a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt who had this incredible influence on them. And that's where I'm going with this life story piece, is if you really mine your life story, you will find nuggets of just incredible brilliance that you know what that's like, and you can bring that experience to other people. What a great perspective that you just don't hear that often in these discussions. I mean, you're quite right. You know, with these so many leadership books out there, I can see why they wouldn't resonate with you after this conversation today. I think maybe I'll just end this whole interview with one of my favorite quotes of yours. The key to unlocking better leadership is found through a clear-eyed exploration of you, the real full you. Well, thanks so much for bringing your full self to this conversation today, Doug, and I wish you all the best. Okay, I'm happy to do it, and I look forward to having a a more fulsome conversation with you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Psychology Podcast. If you'd like to react in some way to something you heard, I encourage you to join in the discussion at thepsychologypodcast.com. That's thepsychologypodcast.com. Also, please add a rating and review of the podcast on iTunes, And subscribe to the Psychology Podcast YouTube channel, as we're really trying to increase our viewership on YouTube. In fact, many of these episodes are in video format on YouTube, so you'll definitely want to check out that channel. Thanks for being such a great supporter of the podcast, and tune in next time for more on the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. 
And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts